Hey, what's up, guys? I am one of your hosts of the Military Millionaire Podcast, David Bray, and I am testing out some co-hosting with Alex Felice. So today we have Ashton and Chris Valkyrie on the show, and man, in like a year and a half, they've gone from buying their first duplexes to syndicating. It's an incredible show. One's still active duty, PJ in the Air Force. The other got out of the Air Force and is now an IT guy, and I had a lot of fun talking to these guys, so I'm really excited about you guys listening to this episode don't forget, show notes are found at fromilitarymillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do, and we'll really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase. But I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave from Military Millionaire. And I'm here with Ashton and Chris and Alex Felice, who is going to be a totally different episode. So we've got uh, two brothers who both Air Force vets or, or still in who uh, do a lot of real estate investing and were crazy enough to agree to come on the show when I posted online saying that Alex Felice was going to be my co-host. And if you know Alex, you know that means that nobody knows what's about to happen and I'm probably not going to edit any of this. So you're going to figure it out as we go. Uh, but um, I guess I should let my co-host introduce himself real briefly and then I'll let the guest introduce himself. So Alex, let's, uh, if, if in case nobody knows who you are. In case, uh, yeah, my name is Alex Felice. Uh, I've done a, this show with David a few times prior service. I got out a long time ago in 05, actually. And I've been investing in real estate since 2014-ish, 16. And uh, Ashton, I know you. Yep. Yeah. Met, we met, yeah? yeah. In uh, Fayetteville, your hometown. Well, where are you in? Okay. Now I'm mad. That's bullshit. <laughs> uh, I'm in I don't Fayetteville. know where you're from, but. I'm, a, I'm from a Rhode Island, that's why I got an attitude problem. Uh, but yeah, we met in Fayetteville, but uh, I didn't meet Chris. I don't think, Chris, you live in, where do you live? Yeah, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I got out in 2010. I was a firefighter in the Air Force and currently work in IT. But um, actually, about a year ago, I reached out to you on Bigger Pockets and uh, hit you up for some questions on delayed financing, but probably uh, a missed the right? thousands, yeah. So did I, did I respond? I didn't. Yeah, you were cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Answer okay. back. It was, it was helpful. So yeah. yeah okay. I try not to let people, uh, fall through the cracks. You know, I try to get to everybody. You know, I think I've shared just... your, uh, bigger pockets podcast. What was it? 301 to quite a few people who, cause everybody has questions on that delayed financing stuff. And uh, I'm like, Hey, this guy knows his stuff. I think he yep. does. <laughs> I think he sounds like he does. <laughs> So, yeah. Probably the only person who's ever messaged him. He's just pretending he doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah, he's so popular, you know. I can't remember. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so busy. <laughs> All right, Ashley, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm still in the Air Force. I'm coming up on uh, 20 years. Um, and about a year and a half ago, my brother and I—I'm well, a PJ in the Air Force—but my brother and I uh, started investing in real estate and just dove in headfirst and learning everything we can and. Uh, talking to everybody we can networking with everybody we can and you know building up a decent portfolio so far and much more to come so happy to be here right right on for for those of you who don't know being a pj is uh not you know your typical air force dude so uh my only experience i was gonna tell this to ashton because i thought it was funny and alex told me to shut the hell up and record so i'm gonna tell it now because i guess it is kind of funny so my only experience 
personally interacted with PJs is we had a medevac in 2010 in Afghanistan. We called in the bird, we posted security, whatever. And I run the stretcher out and I do the thing. And there's like someone in a turret took a couple pictures and I'm like, oh, it's a cool picture. I look like I'm doing something useful. And then I kneeled to post security in the middle of the desert. And uh, if you've never been next to a helicopter when it takes off, um, it's, uh, it's fun. I literally was like bleeding out the back of my head and it knocked my... My Kevlar wasn't clipped on all the way up there. It knocked my freaking Kevlar off and almost knocked me on my face. And um, so there's a video and all you can see is the rotor wash engulf me. But I know every time I see that little clip that there is me being tossed around like a chew toy in the <laughs> desert. We will put that in the, we will put a link to that video in the show notes for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh man. All right. I would so love to you, see guys, that. you guys decided about a year and a half ago to get into real estate and uh, I, Walk us through where that went. Sure. Take it, Ashton. Uh, sure. Yeah. So actually, I, I got introduced to it a while back. Some guy was house hacking. I met him out in the middle of the desert. And he started talking about it. But we didn't actually act on it until uh, middle of 2018. Chris, who um, my brother, who's got the IT job, kind of brought up like, hey, I want to do something else. I'm looking at this real estate thing. And we should check out this bigger pockets. You know, everybody goes to bigger pockets. Same old story, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, so we did that. And then I'm like, man, this is exactly what that other guy was telling me uh, two years ago. And so we kind of just jumped right on in. Um, but it started with, uh, we bought two duplexes. I think it was, what was it? Chris was yeah. like 209, 209,000. Two duplexes. Uh, yeah. I think they were 1960s and it was 209,000. Pretty rough shape. Yeah. 1930s. Oh, 1930s shit. It was even farther back. So Where are they cuss? located? Can we cuss on this? <laughs> Good. Yeah. Where are okay. they located? Uh, uh, those those are... were in Durham, yeah. Durham, North Carolina. So okay. East Durham. So uh, kind of the rougher area of Durham, I guess you could say. You know you're buying a great property when the word lead actually has a yes check next to it on the uh, yeah. disclosure. <laughs> Cast iron pipes. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting all the goodies. It was fun. We learned a lot. That was the big part. We learned a lot. Um, luckily, we had enough you know, cash to cover ourselves on the back end. Cause I think we initially thought the rehab would be around 25,000. Was it? We, we first started this and it ended up being 20,000 per unit. So, but, um, it worked out. No, man, it was, it was a lot more than that. It was Wasn't it? about 90,000. So it was 45,000 per unit or per property, Plus. I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty rough. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say to people? Um, that are new to real estate that are looking and they're trying to get into their first deal with low or no money. And then they have no reserves. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> I would say invest in your education first. And, and that doesn't mean like take a class, but network, like talk to people. Um, I mean, I guess we should probably even back up more than that before we bought it. Anything we, you know, listened to a thousand podcasts and read a bunch of books, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, let's do this. And we just, well, almost. We, we did start making offers, but they were terrible offers and none of them got accepted, thankfully. But you had the cash that you knew that you could only get yourself in so much trouble. Yes. Yeah, yeah. we both we both took a home equity line of credits on our house, even though we didn't really plan on using it at all. We had it sitting there. We also had Roth IRAs built from our time in the military. I know I started mine 2006. So I only had like, you know, putting 50 bucks aside a month as a, you know, uh, E1 or E2, whatever it is. Um, it was a lot at the time, but it built up to about 15 grand when I got, you know, out. So um, that being able to take out, you know, uh, contributions for the Roth was like 8K I could use. So we just pulled everything together and we had it there. And then, you know, we went in with that in mind and um, ended up being a little more. I had to get an extra loan, but the idea was, yeah, we weren't, we weren't going to go in just uh, willy nilly. So well, we should also say too, like we did a lot of, we lucked out, but it was also, you know, we got in the right neighborhood. That neighborhood was being gentrified. It was, it was turning, you know, their homes right down the road selling for like 500,000. So um, it helped us. We burred out of that, you know, like six months later, I think. Yeah. I was say going from a 25,000 estimate to a 90,000 rehab is a, that's a pretty, pretty substantial difference. And a lot of that I think is probably accredited to or attributed to, the age of the properties. I mean, that's yep. just, you know, yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I have a older home that I was renovating a month ago that, it, you know, went gangbusters and did not work out so well. And I mean, you know, not going to break me by any means, but similar, right? Way, way more expensive than uh, originally intended. And if you don't have that cash sitting around, 
then what? Yeah. 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 And I mean, we partnered with somebody too, right? We, yeah, well, we yeah. took out private money. So basically we yeah. took out about 70% from a private lender, um, you know, at 9% interest. And so, so this that is what would, I do for, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go again. This is what I do for a living is uh, underwriting, which is uh, more than financial analysis. It's the spreading and distribution of risk. And so uh, I love that you guys said that. And this is what people don't understand or they miss, they miss, they underappreciate about partners. They think I got to split my profits and it's like, yeah, but they take half the risk too, or whatever the portion is. And so you get to, you also get, you know, another set of eyes that has a vested interest in your success uh, more than just like, where's my money? It's like, no, how do we do this? As long as you put, um, take the right partners. And so those three things to me, um, and I kind of wanted to make sure that we all uh, recognize it was biggest risk mitigation that ex biggest risk mitigator that exists is education. And that was the first thing you said, so you better know what you're doing or close. Um, and if you don't, and you probably don't when it's your first one, you need cash. Um, and then, the, and then, and then to back all those three things up, the network, like, you know, you got the capital from a partner and then he probably, I would hope to think that he was prudent with his money, which means he made sure you knew what you're doing. So he had a third set of eyes, with a vested interest to make sure you succeed. So those three things are really important to recognize. So yeah, the, the network and the team was key. I mean, we, we kind of heard that going in with bigger pockets and all the education. So we leaned very heavily on the property manager there uh, in the area. Um, Jesse Martinez, awesome guy. And he, uh, he had a, a network of contractors too. So we had, you know, it kind of snowballed there and because we were new, we definitely listened and, and he said, Hey man, this area is, is changing. Uh, you're going to be okay if you can, you know, get through this. And, and they did actually th those uh, two duplexes together, they appraised, uh, it was a 480,000. So 240,000 each at the end of that, which means we burned out for about 336,000 uh, for the loan. Uh, so that was more than enough for what we needed. So, so Congrats. I would be curious to know, and, and you don't have to name names, but you mentioned 70% private money, you know, partner on your first deal. And I think that's, you know, I mean, people talk about private money all the time, but the fact that you were able to procure it on your first deal is fairly impressive because a lot of times people, uh, you know, it's, it's not always easy to find someone to be willing to lend on you when it's your first property. So what do you think attributed to that? So I'll, I'll speak to that. <clears throat> it was a coworker of mine. Um, so he had, um, you know, he had come into some money in, in one way or the other. He was looking to get a better return. He had done investing into tax liens and stuff like that. And he was looking to get a better return. I had been learning for probably six months or so. Um, and I threw everything at him. So I gave him a deed of trust. I gave him a promissory note. I gave him all this stuff to give that credibility and that protection. I said, look, I've already got it appraised this much. You know, you're only lending in, you know, well, I think it was like 170 or something. And we're paying the rest. We're paying that other 30% plus renovation. So if we default, you get, you know, 209,000 worst case of property um, that you're going to, you know, it's going to be a pain, but you get it, you know, this is your collateral. So it was all about that credibility as far as like, look, I may not have the experience. We may not have the experience, but this attorney right here, he has the experience and he's giving you these documents. And so that's, that's kind of how that went. And then, you know, a 9% interest when he was getting 2% from, from a Barclay or, you know, something like that. Um, it was, you know, and having that relationship already with someone, you know, friends, family, coworker, that really of course helps in the beginning. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was huge leaning on the experience and credibility of others in the beginning. So. Yeah. And I would point out, I think, maybe we lucked out on that too, just building that credibility with him because it else, it opened our eyes to, you know, what we could do if we could build up credibility with more people. And so ever since then, you know, everything, every deal we've done, we've partnered with private money and, um, and then, you know, finally syndicating our, doing an actual syndication on our last deal. But, and I think, I think to your point, um, Alex, like not a lot of people look at that right away. So, well, partners are tough in the beginning, I think, because sometimes, well, I don't know how I feel. And it's not like I wanted to keep the whole deal for myself. It's like, look, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing really. I don't want to take anybody else down with me if I mess this up. And so that's part of it. And I, and I really get that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I just love that what you guys did. I mean, you say you got lucky and I really wanted to comment on that because yeah, you did, but everybody gets lucky sometimes. Right. So what I mean is you're going to get unlucky in a lot of other things that somebody else is like, yeah, I nailed that. Like I have a property manager and contractor. That's, I mean, a godsend. Right. We have them. We use them. And I you use my contractor. Recently. Yeah. yeah, you do. Okay. <laughs> Dude, he's so effing good. He's my, he's my lifeline. He's my full partner now. 
He and just uh, joined us on our on our uh, 16 unit in Fayetteville. You are welcome. <laughs> I have the unlucky contractor story as of late. So it's just, you know, it is what it is. That's my point. And so the second thing was, Chris, as you said, I've been, uh, I'm talking about real estate and look, I can tell an extrovert from a mile away. Okay. So he wasn't just learning real estate. He was going to the work and yammering about it. Right. And so the guy's like, man, I've been hearing about this guy about real estate for six months and he knows what he's talking about. And you know, it's like the world, the, the, the things align. But so a few things, you got lucky that you, that you knew him, sure. But you didn't get lucky that you were in his ear about it. That was yep. you. And so that's the same way I met Roderick, right? It's like, hey, if you talk to me for more than 12 seconds, then we're going to talk about real estate. And so eventually, you know, somebody else is like, oh, I like real estate too. Boom, best friends, <laughs> done. But you got you to hit every single person to do it. Um, so I just love that story because it's, it's the way you can, you can make that, sound, that story sound like you got lucky. Or you can make that story like, look, there are principles here that apply always. So sure, you might be going six months asking every warm body for money. And they're like, no, 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 no. And it's like, what, but what about tomorrow? You're going to meet somebody new. And the point is to just be in their ear. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that podcast. Sorry. I really like that podcast. Um, I listened to one of yours, uh, Alex. <clears throat> it was the way it was. It was a 301, I think, with bigger pockets. I just listened to it again. But I think you mentioned two key things in there that you said to, to, uh, that make real estate happen. and was education and network. And you added cash there. But I, I think those are really on point. We did, we did both getting started. And we, you know, we educated. And then we somehow reached out to our network or we found the network to uh, enable us with our management and game plan. And uh, those were key in the beginning. So, I've been saying that for three years. And actually, I'm, it's funny you bring that up. I... Sorry, David. This, I know this is David's show. Just to remind everybody. Um, <laughs> um, but it's so interesting to say that because I've been saying that for five years now. Educate network. And there's been like third component, capital. But I, I took that away and I said, no, that doesn't matter because capital is going to come and go. And it comes in various forms. It's not always cash. It can be all sorts of things. Um, and that's kind of an abstract idea. But lately, I, I have a new one. I want to I know what you're thinking about it because you brought it up. Um, educate network. And the third one is content production. I like that. We're working on that right now. Yeah. So educate because you got to know what you're talking about and networking is like you reaching out to the world and trying to find the people that, you know, are right for you to get whatever it is that you both want to get done together. And then the third piece content production is like, it's the, it's the, it's networking in inverse. It's instead of you going out, it's you bringing people to, to you like a beacon. Adding value. Yeah. And yeah. Add, well, add, add value and adds credibility. Yep. Yeah, I've been saying learn, network, and take action for years. And the take action piece is really just kind of a general, like, look, if you don't get off the X, nothing ever happens. But I'll tell you right now, content, absolutely. I've had some crazy opportunities come up in the last six months, year, just from, I mean, if you're listening to this, ta-da. Yeah. So, like, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but it, it works. And, and the other, and this is the piece that I think, like, with podcasting and some of this stuff, when you talk content, I may not have ever had time to sit down with the four of you or the three of you at once and talk like this. Right. And so I've gotten to meet some people and, and talk to people that I would never be able to get a half hour, an hour of their time because of this, because people realize content's important. So I think it's, I say never, right. Like I'm not trying to undermine myself here, but like time's valuable in podcasting and stuff like that. Like content. I mean, it's just opened so many doors. It's cool. Oh yeah. You're pretty good at it from what I hear. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alex. Um, all right. So uh, before we just walk down the, the rabbit hole of talking about podcasts and YouTube and random stuff like that, you guys ended up syndicating. So where did you go from, from duplex to syndication in a year and a half? That's not, uh, I mean, that's a pretty big leap. So I'd love to hear some of the stuff that went on in between. Sure. You want to go, go Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Run with it. No, you. Oh, okay. You. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, basically, you know, we, Ashton's pretty cool. Cause he's got the, he's got the hype. So I'm kind of like the, are we ready? Are we ready? And he's like, let's go. You know, like, so we, we did those two duplexes and I was kind of recovering from that shock of a lot of money <laughs> just poured into two duplexes. Um, and then we pretty much followed a duplex. Uh, what was it? Probably if, if we bird out, even before we burned out, we were, we were closing on another one, uh, another right. duplex, small one that was 950 square feet. And then following up, like even two months after that one, we did the same, a 950 square feet duplex. And uh, those were a lot easier condition, 1980s, um, definitely small. The interesting thing, they rented just the same uh, unit price as the, the bigger duplex uh, that we did in the beginning, which were, those were about 1350 square feet each. So it was kind of interesting, but they were older, of course. Uh, so we did 
two duplexes start, then we did one duplex, another duplex two months later. Then we jumped into a five unit uh, next to Durham in an area called Burlington. And then we, I think we were, the same time we same put time. that, yeah, five unit yeah. under contract, we freaking put a 13 under contract. And so at that point, I was freaking panicking. <laughs> and uh, Ashton said we're right on track. Uh, so, you know, when you're, when you're put in a situation, when you're, when you're, you have a good deal in front of you, it's under contract and you have to make it happen. Otherwise you lose that earnest money or that due diligence, like magic happens because you really go out there and make it happen. There's no going back, you know? Um, so we, yeah, you have to be. So the, it was great for us. We started reaching out to our network. We started figuring out, okay, we need a bigger network. Um, you know, now we're just great. We're, we're hitting meetups all the time. We're doing, I'm doing blogs once a week. Um, you know, I'm reaching out to coworkers, friends, family. We're starting to create e emails, uh, MailChimp newsletters, that kind of thing. The network's building. Um, and, you know, the people that invested with us originally may have been coworkers, friends, and family. But as we did those deals, they kept coming back. And maybe this, this time, you know, the first time they gave 25 and invested 25. And then when the burr went through, they're like, oh, shit, I should just come in for a little higher. You know, I got all this money sitting um, that 9% was nice. Okay. This one is at 12% or this is at 13% because it's a bigger portfolio. So it kind of started building. So we did that. We went to the five unit, went to 13 unit. They pretty much closed the same time. I want to say end of July, 2019. Was it? I think it was a little bit later. A little later. Yeah. Um, it's close. Yeah. Something so like that. yeah. And the 13 unit was, uh, it was a portfolio deal. It was in Fayetteville. Um, yeah, it was two quads. But yeah, yeah, I guess and it, was, duplex. Right. it was all on um, one property. Yeah. yeah, but they're all right next to each other. They were called, uh, you know, bull run apartments. So um, we're still stable. Yeah, where, um, where is that? It's off of uh, Shiloh. It's off Shiloh Drive. It's on, it would be Southwest Fayetteville. What are the rents? Is it one ones or two ones? They're one ones it's, and rents are 550 average right now or 570 average, I think. Are you having yeah. trouble with it? <laughs> uh not yet why a little bit little well bit. we we had to invict one guy yeah or girl. How had it? well since fall of 2019 huh. so, yeah i have one similar it's been annoying we're, yeah we're, <laughs> so we're working through some issues um it's it's definitely yeah it's it's a c-class so there there's some issues yeah. there but, um, you know, we bought it at a really good price. It was, I think it was 38,000 a door. So, oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So, that's and not, they were not, uh, I mean, not bad shape, honestly. I mean, we just, raised the rents without doing anything within the first month, I think. That's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. So, um, did, you know, some exterior renovations so far, cut back grass, you know, cleaned up the exterior and we're slowly turning unit by unit, you know, getting, um, some of that tenant turnover, uh, as the rents go up, but, uh, and then kind of when we did that, um, we were still hungry. We wanted to get, what were we trying to hit like 50 or we wanted 50 more by the end of the year. Yeah. Yep. 50 more by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, it was October, November, 2019, we found a 16 unit <clears throat> in Fayetteville that for us was the nicest property we've done so far. <laughs> It was uh, two bed, or it is two bed, two and a half bath townhomes, and they just look nice, you know, even from the start. They're like a, a B minus C plus. Um, 1997 build. Yeah, 1997 okay. built. Um, so those those were looking to get around 800 rents. Uh, we had three property managers that confirmed that that could be done. So uh, and now RJ. Yeah, and yeah, awesome recommendation. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, we're, we're excited with that one. That one was a full syndication. Uh, the previous ones were more joint venture agreements, LLC, uh, you know, partnerships. Um, so this, this last one we did was an actual, uh, we did a 504 syndication. So that just means you have to comply with state filing, state regulations. Um, you get unlimited uh, sophisticated investors to a point. But um, yeah, each state has its own rules, so you have to deal with that. But um, an attorney, a securities attorney, will often recommend that if they are you're kind of new, 
because they think you don't understand, I think the accredited investors and, you know, the limitations. So they're like, here, do this, you know, you're, you're getting your friends and family. So, um, so we did that though. It was about 15 investors on that one. So it was actually full. We did the, you know, full presentation. We got, um, a great turnout. That one was, uh, 960. We closed 960,000. We closed 950,000. Appraised. appraised in 970. So we had 20 already built in. Um, um, but yeah. how much was the cost of the legal, how much was the legal cost? Because when I bought my 24 unit, I ended up doing JV because it was like 1700 bucks. Now mm -hmm. it limited me because I couldn't syndicate. I couldn't advertise the deal. I had to go to people that I had a real relationship with and it limited me in how many partners I could get. So a little bit different, but part of the reason I did that was I didn't find that the cost of legal, the legal cost was worth it. So, yeah. So it was around 15,000. It's very expensive. Um, if you write it in and the deal still pencils with that cost in there, then at the end of the day, it's okay, right? It's a cost, it's an expense. But I agree with you. Could that have been, you know, um, I mean, I'm already shopping around for another option. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire. Now, why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. I listen to Audible every single day on my commute to and from work. Now, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire. But here's the, here's the thing. For us, that was a proof of concept. You know, we wanted, to make sure, we wanted to make sure we could raise capital. We had the network that we could put together an actual syndication. And, um, you know, is every one of these going to be a hundred, you know, a home run? Maybe, maybe not, probably not, you know, but we're learning. And, and I think the biggest thing for us, you know, and just going back, like, I think um, if I went back two years and listened to some, the two guys that, you know, did all this in a year, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I would think about it, but I think the reality is like when you take that, when you make that commitment to succeed, no matter what, you know, you're going to learn everything you can. You're going to try everything you can talk to everybody you can. And I think that's where, I think that's where we really shined is we, we made that commitment to success, you know? Um, and I know I said we got lucky, but you know, what's that saying? Like luck is when opportunity, opportunity meets hard work. Yeah. So I, I really do believe that it's easier to say lucky, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we were absolutely committed. You, you want to talk about like getting up early and then going to work, you know, working on this and then going to work um, and then coming back, picking up your kids from school and then going home and then doing this until, you know, 10, 11 at night. Like that's what we were doing. That's what we're still doing. So, and, there, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason for that, right? You, it's because you're passionate about it. You want to do something. You want to do something other than what you're doing now. You want to build a future, whatever, like whatever your why is, I don't know, freedom, you know, financial freedom, um, you know, whatever it is, but we were committed to succeed no matter what. So like, yeah, um, we're really happy with that syndication. I mean, I, we probably could have saved a lot of money. Um, hey, that's going to be better. <laughs> look, I'll, I'll bust your balls when it's appropriate, but I was just curious because uh, yeah. I was simply curious because I went through the same um, dilemma and yeah. I'm just curious how you guys solved it uh, how, versus how I did. I mean, but I love uh, all three of your, or excuse me, all the, all the, your deals that you spoke about, you had this one underlying um, uh, consistent, how do I say it, event, which was, you know, you commit first you get the deal into contract. And so what ends up happening, and then it's like, now you have skin in the game and you have something on the line. Yep. And that makes such a big difference. And so, so many people, they, they do real estate, especially when they're beginning, they, they do it too, too far away from the action. And so like, I want to learn, well, there's no, there's no risk in learning, right? So I learn all you can, but it's like, look, you're going to have to put something on the line, whether it's an offer, you got to go out there and put offers on. And then it's like, now you figure it out. You're never going to be ready before you you know, be fully ready before you put an offer. It's like, you don't know what's going on. Like, you don't know what even what the process looks like. So you got to get in there. And, and I like that you guys did that. You put the goal post forward, 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 forward. And you're like, okay, now I'll put this EM on the line. Now I'll make it happen because I don't want to lose yeah. the five grand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was literally my quote on Instagram this morning was you're never going to be ready. Just go yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a, a very common theme that, you know, I, I do a bunch of po uh, posts on bigger pockets and try to help people from what I know so far. And talking to people around work, 
<clears throat> you know, about real estate. And it's, it's, it's common. It just keeps coming up that everybody says, well, I'm waiting for the market or I'm waiting for this, or I don't know how to analyze a deal yet. So I'm going to wait until I listen to 10 more podcasts. And I'm like, look, you just got to start doing it. And then, yeah. you know, take that step. And the first one's going to suck and you're going to learn a lot. And the more you learn, the second one's going to be much better. So just have reserves. Yeah, yeah. Have reserves. Have yeah. a plan B too. I really like Joe Farrell's, um, you know, I read a lot from his book. I've read it like three times the um, best ever real estate syndication book or, you know, and it, there's, there's three laws they listen there, you know, buy with cash flow, buy with reserves and uh, use long-term debt and you long-term debt. You could say, okay, well, I'm doing something a little different. It's up to the investor, the, the uh, operator, but I do think, yeah, buy for cash flow, yep. have reserves. Like it's yeah. key. So, yeah, I mean, I'm testament had some stuff go wrong this year and without reserves, I would be totally screwed right now. But I have, I mean, my biggest struggle, I mean, I, I, Alex and I had two or three phone calls about this. My biggest struggle was just figuring out it wasn't, Oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen now. It was, Hey, what, I can't decide which one of these situations or solutions is where I'm going to go. And not to say that any of them were great off options. It was still a, you know, not a great scenario, but there was reserves. So, Hey, I got these options, take a pick, right? And whatever. And I ended up going with one that, you know, it is what it is. I'm just going to sell it, take a small hit and end up getting my money back long-term from the contractor, hopefully. But, um, but I had the oper- I had the reserves to essentially redo the entire renovation a second time over if I had to. Not to say that you necessarily need that much, but yeah. it's nice to know that if the world ends, I could liquidate my 401k and pay off half my debt like yeah. half my properties right so like you guys are doing it smart and i think that's cool um and i think it's i agree completely like the the committing first be, i if you don't put something under contract I, I heard once like a lot of people look for try to find a way to push their way towards a goal and successful people try to set a goal that pulls them towards it yeah and, i like that and oh, yeah. and the way i always thought about it i subconsciously did this like say I want to run a marathon and I'm like, Oh man, just something I want to run a marathon. I w- I like grew up being like, Hey Alex, let's run a marathon. And then if he says yes, I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's like how I've done stuff forever. But the reality is like, I know, okay, this is going to challenge me. I don't necessarily want to do it. Well, if I get someone else to do it, like, I, but that's, a, that's yeah. a, so committing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point too. Um, you know, having my brother there, him and I are really competitive. <laughs> so when we say we're going to do something, holding each other accountable in that sense. Like he would analyze a deal and he would like, look at this deal. And I'll be like, dang it. I got to analyze a deal. So I go <laughs> analyze a deal or fine. Or then same thing with raising capital is the same thing. Um, yeah. You know, he's like, Oh, I got so many investors and I'm like, Oh man, I got to go to this many, po- you know, this many meetups to go meet more people. But, um, and, and, and that kind of goes into like building your team. You definitely want a good team that backs you. And that doesn't necessarily mean like everybody working for you. I'm just saying like, you're bouncing ideas off your property manager, off your lender, off your contractors. Like th- th- that's your team. And we leaned heavily on them starting out, but that also helped us give us confidence, but also helped us propel us into new stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. You need people around that have um, high expectations of you that you yeah. don't want to let them down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if you hang out with everybody when you're the coolest kid, you're not doing yourself any favors. Right. Cause all you can do is brag. Instead you hang out and you just gotta be, I hang out with, you know, people that make me feel like an idiot, except David. I, yeah, I a hundred percent, hundred percent agree. That opportunity. <laughs> I, I did the same actually. Like, you know, I, in the beginning I was going to a meetup where it was drinking beers and it's easy. There's, you got a single family guy, you got a real estate agent. It's easy to talk. Ooh, I did a couple of duplexes and I was like, this isn't getting me very far. So I started attending two different syndicator uh, meetups and and you know they're closing 128 units 98 units and all of a sudden I feel like I'm nobody and you know what it was great because it definitely encouraged me I learned actually a ton because I'm yeah. listening to how they're raising money how they're networking oh that's a cool strategy let me let me try that why why can't I try that so uh, putting yourself out there surrounding yourself with the network that you want to become I think it's key absolutely uh, conferences on that note conferences yeah so, we only went to one so far, but go ahead. Yeah. Which which did you go to? Uh, what was it called? Aim Natcon, Brad Sumrocks in yeah. Texas. Oh, Texas. 
So uh, I started going to conferences a few years ago. In fact, that's how I made, that's how I met our friend over here. I don't know how it's going to show up on the video, but I, on my screen, he's over there. He's pulling um, off the screen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go. Uh, <laughs> um, I met him at a conference and I'll tell you, it's like, it's this interesting phenomenon because, so if we talk about earlier about networking digitally, well, that's really good to find your people, but you also, everybody else has the same megaphone. So it gets, it's hard to get, you know, I, I'd be curious to know how you guys found David specifically, but, but, uh, but with the conferences, it's like all the people that you want to meet online, they kind of all pool together physically and there's nothing, you can never replace networking online with networking face-to-face, uh, -face, shaking hands. Yeah, completely so agree. And so I say all that to say, um, I'm going to rattle off a few. I'm going to go to Best Ever this year. I'm going to go to Real Estate Hackers in PA. I'm going to go to uh, Bigger Pockets in New Orleans. Oops, I should I should say that. David, when is this going to launch? Is it going to launch in a few months? Okay, it's going probably it might be in New Orleans. I got yeah. Uh, I was going to say I got to wait till after. Uh, now I got to wait till the end of February, right? <laughs> now you definitely have to wait till the end of February. They should. Okay, it, it was going to go in March anyway. I'm. I'm they should announce it in a few weeks, allegedly. Suppose maybe. <laughs> uh, and then um and, and so i say all that to say uh what's the other one uh uh dave van horns uh, mid-atlantic and so i say all that to say like if anybody's going or if you if you have the idea that you want maybe you want to go to conference that's why i'm going to best ever i signed up last year before i had my multifamily I ended up getting snowed out but I, I was like dude you want to buy multifamily you don't wait till you have a multifamily and then go yeah to brag just to feel like you fit in it's like no dude you go there to get one because i'll tell you what no matter what you do when you go to the conferences you're you're not going to be the biggest fish yeah not yet you yeah, don't want to be the biggest fish right yeah yeah, you, yeah i agree there and yeah. you need to go to another conference that's kind of yeah. thing got for me oh uh, did you decide you're pulling the plug we're we not gonna be roomies <laughs> well i mean I, I, it might be a good excuse to california but Wait, I don't, see there i don't go. think that it has that much to the pun's too small i i remember a wise man saying educate network content and i think fincon's all about content so i'm just saying <laughs> i'm oh, wondering man. why you didn't wear your pink shirt uh, the pink shirt thing is like my brand. Okay. And I don't want to be, I don't want David's show to be muddying up my, my brand awareness. <laughs> Actually, I was going to, um, I should get a camo shirt when I wear his, when I do his show. Yeah. Or, yeah. and I know this is a crazy stretch. You could wear the shirt that you bought from my website or you got for free that has my brand on it. Oh, I do have a shirt of yours. Yeah, somewhere in the summer. It's definitely know, it's a crazy out. thought. It's like I sent you a free shirt with my brand on it for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, is your brand guest recording. Uh, I have to say, Dave, uh, you know, I expect the mustache to be a little bigger. Okay, so honestly. full disclosure, you're right. And I'm actually, I think it's hilarious that you caught that. So two weeks ago, I had to take a promotion photo. And because uh, last year, I uh, I missed my fitness test because I blew my knee out. I might actually be in zone to get selected this year. And the way oh. the Marine Corps is, I was like, man, if I don't have a fitness, like mustaches are like a, a black eye in the Marine Corps for first oh. arms. So I was like, the people voting on the board are going to have a bad taste because I didn't run a fitness test this year from an injury. So the last thing I need to do is give them an instant like reason to dislike me. So I, I shaved it for the photo, went higher on the stupid haircut, mm -hmm. played the game, took the photo, and now it's come back in. So yes, it is, it is usually much, much bushier. Um, but what's funny about that is, and I appreciate that you noticed, that <laughs> my office loves me so much that nobody even noticed on the day it was gone. Like, oh, and that's and I'm like, oh, that's sad, man. I'm sorry. I was like walking around the office, like, like <laughs> nobody loves me, like nobody noticed. You know? Like nobody looks at your face, apparently. <laughs> uh, I guess. I <laughs> um, so, what's next for you guys? Yeah, what's next? Well, we're Gosh. looking. Yeah, we're looking right now for. We want to get another 150 units um, by the end of the year. So we're hustling to find, you know new places, new brokers, new, um, new properties. I mean, we're working with five pillars in Fayetteville and then we have a couple bunch of brokers up in Raleigh, Durham, but you know, it's pretty competitive right now in the multifamily area. There's a lot of, uh, stupid money, you know, people looking to park their money somewhere. So let's not talk stupid. about Phoenix, man. Phoenix yeah. is crazy. Phoenix. Hey, let me ask you, let me ask you a really off the wall question. Cause I've, I've experienced the same thing, right? Everybody's going after mid-sized multifamily right now. It's dried up. It's, I don't want to say it's dried up completely. I mean, I just bought one. You guys just bought one. It's around, but it's like, you know, yeah. if you find something, you're usually the last to find out kind of thing. It's tough. Um, yeah. Have you thought about pivoting? Cause I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go put an offer on a property on Friday. That's something that I've never done before for the exact same reason that you have. It's like, 
what's the old rule? Warren Buffett's rule. If, while everybody's buying, you sell. And whatever you selling, you buy. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I take that to be, if you add some nuance to that, what I think it means is like, if you, if you took it down to the nuance of the macroeconomics, like pivot. So if everybody, if, if mid-sized multifamily is super hot right now and cap rates are depressed because interest rates are so low, yep. um, would you be interested in pivoting into maybe something else? Yeah, we're always looking at stuff, other stuff. In fact, I held a mastermind the other night and two of the guys there um, were really big into mobile home parks. And I don't know where you're going with what you're talking about, but um, you know, he was explaining that whole method and that, the strategy there. And that's actually really interesting to me. Um, it's not too different from multifamily. Um, but it is different. Yeah. And then of course, you know, there's storage and, um, Airbnb. I think you're doing Airbnb, right, Dave? No, oh, I thought you were about to ask Alex. I was like, don't get Alex started. is not going to be allowed to comment on this, but <laughs> yes, I am. But I, I would like to say that I'm not doing it as a crazy investment strategy. Like it's not my investment strategy. It's more of a, I needed to find a way to afford my place to live in San oh, Diego yeah. and yeah. I wanted to learn Airbnb. So I did, I, I've got two different rooms that I'm doing separate listings out of Airbnb here. I would have done long-term roommate rentals, but I wanted the ability to A, shut them off when I had family visiting and B, to actually learn and understand Airbnb so that I can talk about it. So I, it, it's a weird strategy. It works very well, but it is not freaking passive. And even when you bring in oh, uh, yeah. the management companies, I mean, they're, you're talking 20, 25, 30% off the top rather than seven to 10. So it's, it's a whole new ball game. Uh, yeah. But I, mobile home, the, the other cool thing, you know, and nothing's obviously recession, the recession proof, but I think they have a pretty good resistance just because like, it's not an asset people are going to be forced out of. Like it's yeah. affordable yeah. in all markets. Like, I mean, obviously there's always worst case scenarios, but I think it's got a, I mean, I would almost be curious to know if it does better in a downturn. I don't know. I've actually heard it does better. But, but what, is the man, what does the maintenance go up when you have, you know, influx of, and I, I don't know that much about the specifics of the, the market of that industry or that asset class rather, but to me, it just says like, well, look, if you had a bunch of money, you'd buy a house. So these are lower quality tenants on average. So if that market gets flooded with lower quality tenants, maybe you have an influx of rents, but maybe you have an influx of pain in the ass too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm yeah. just, that, I'm just plain devil's advocate. Yeah. I don't know the market that well. I know a lot of people are, a lot of people are going to mobile homes for the same reason that you and I just said, where it's like mm, mid-sized multis, like really, really cramped. So what's the next, where's the next play? That's why Airbnb is starting to um, fill up and mobile home parks are fill up. And so I am thinking about buying commercial office space. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like, like the co-working. triple net lease. You talking about like triple net leases or no? Nah, something oh. else. Like you, um, we work, like we work, we work. Yeah. I was going to say you work. I yeah, like that. We, yeah. How do you think? How would you think about one of those in Fayetteville? Hmm. For a guy like me, for a guy like me who goes to Starbucks every day to work, and it's yeah, like a, yeah, I get see. a place with good Wi-Fi and a printer. I mean, they're good for meetings. Like if you have to do meetings, I've been to a couple meetups like that. They just rented a space there. You know, we're gonna do all sorts of stuff. I got a building in mind. Yeah. I'm gonna put it up mean, on Friday. Yeah, Phoenix. There's a huge demand. I think office space is like the number one. Uh, selling thing here right now because there's so many companies that are springing up here some one billion dollar in uh, you know factory just getting built downtown for google and you got all these we works popping up everywhere and um i forget what the other one is i will but, say my oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say my my one fear with them is that if the market starts to shrink i feel like that's an expense that people will be quick to cut that's a good yeah. point you know yeah, but i don't know one of the things Go ahead. I think about that too, but it's in Fayetteville and anybody who invests in Fayetteville knows that it's, I mean, no, nobody from Fort Bragg lost their job in 2008. True. Yeah. A, in fact, we got, they got promotions. <laughs> um, yeah, I think on our webinar, we had a, a great slide. It talked about the number of, uh, do you remember the number Ashton, how much contracts were going into the Fort Bragg? How much money? It was, it was quite a bit. Uh, I don't remember. Like, yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. So yeah. for me, it's a test bed, right? I'd love to do it in a city like Phoenix, but I can't go there now at the top of the yeah. market. When WeWork is the, is the biggest talked about IPO um, on Wall Street right now. And it's like, dude, don't compete with these guys now, but get, like you said, get those reps in, learn how to do it while well, in Fayetteville in a market that's resilient and a market that is, a, is uh, forgiving, you know, get the systems um, in place. And well, you um, know what, well, anyways, what market would be really good for that? I mean, 
it's not as big as Fayetteville, but the tech industry in Durham and, and Raleigh's huge right now. And that's why the prices are going up so much. Um, we haven't looked at office space, but I bet that would be a big commodity or a hot commodity for that kind of area. But we have looked at um, co-living. Have you heard of that? No. Yeah. It's re- yeah. It's really hot in like hostels. big areas. <laughs> well, ho- you said but hostels. No, I said hostel, but it's hostel. Not- yeah. But you know, it's not just like like Airbnb. No. So it's kind of crazy. So there's these big companies. Now I could send you guys some links. I don't have them handy, but I don't know them off the top of my head, but like places like Seattle, Chicago, New York, I think San Francisco has got a bunch of them, but they buy these giant. So an apartment complex, a big building and say they're all three bedroom, you know, two bath. Well, you rent by the room, like a college, like a um, student housing would. And well, they're, they're taking off in these big cities. And then it's a testament to how, how much, uh, how little inventory of affordable housing there is. Yes. That's what that yeah. means. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, Look people can't afford, yeah, those, the working class can't afford to live in the big city and still have a, you know, a blue collar job. Um, but then it's, it's also, I think a lot of people just don't want to buy, you know, and kids getting out of college that have been lived in, lived in student housing for the last four mo- uh, years, you know, maybe that seems more appealing to them. I don't know. But my, our cousin, she actually, and shout out to, to our cousin Bria, she actually designed one of them in uh, Seattle and it was a big hit. They had a coffee bar that everybody could use. They had like a bike shop. I think they had a garden on the roof, you know, everybody could plant their whatever. It's like mixed use residential kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So they There's cramped so down the though. yeah, they cramped down the sleeping space to get more communal areas. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of crazy. That's interesting. Here, here's your little bed. That's all you need. You hang out over there with everybody. Yeah. Yep. It's huge in Japan. I know that. If you put a coffee bar in your little WeWork, you might save a couple hundred bucks towards your rent off Starbucks. So <laughs> I'm going to, I got, I, I, so I don't want to say too much. I don't want you vultures to come down and steal this property off your money. Too late, man. Too late. I'm already writing this story. I'm going to put an offer on it Friday, but I think I'm going to Alex, let's do it. I'm going to think I'm going to get this building for a little over 200 grand and it's 5,800 square foot. Oh, wow. So we're, we have a lot of room to do some interesting things. Um, and it needs a lot of work, but. That's kind of what I do, baby. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Cool. We'll see. But I, I'm curious because that's kind of where I'm at. It's like I really want to go out and buy that. I got that 24 unit last year and I really like it and I want to get another one. I'm getting good at, you know, you manage it for a few months and you start to feel confident. And it's like, ugh, you know, I'm competing against you guys. Jesus. Like, <laughs> how, do I, how do I stand a chance? <laughs> Let's join up. What are you talking about? No, but oh, my point man. is, right? Like, every, you, me, and everybody else are trying to get these, these mid sized multis. And yeah. it's not to say that yeah. I don't want to do it or that it's not worth the competition. It's just like, hmm, maybe I can find an advantage where other people are sleeping a little bit. Create mm-hmm. an advantage. I, or, yeah. I absolutely love that the last 10 minutes of this podcast has just turned into like brainstorming <laughs> different worlds of real estate because that's, that's really cool. Because I always say, like, creativity is a huge piece and a huge component. And we have just gone through. We work multifamily syndications, <laughs> freaking, uh, I don't even remember, um, uh, co-living thing, uh, you know, uh, mobile homes, whatever in like a 10 minute period and through like why, and you might want to deviate into that. Some of the pros and cons. So I, I think that's cool. And I hope that the people listening to this here that like, just be open-minded, be creative. Like there's, there's always a way to pivot, which is a good word into something that's not super different, but could have good uh upside so uh with that i want to kind of start rolling into some of the questions i asked towards the end because uh we've been talking for almost an hour <laughs> means that yeah, we're gonna we're technically <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i know i've got another show i just messaged the other guy to say we'd be five minutes late um but that's well, cool that means we got on a roll so the first question that i always ask is if like an e1 e2 like a young you know 18 20 year old walked up to you asking for advice what would you tell him I would tell him to start educating himself and, and identify his why first, because if he identifies his why, um, the how will, will come into play. If he knows exactly what he wants and why, the how will, will find its way in there. Chris, do you have another? I mean, I always jump to strategy right away. And I remember, you know, when I was first that age and I was like, looking back, I'd be tell him, dude, as soon as you get out base housing, go do a house hack. <laughs> like, you know, go get get that BAH and, and you know, go get some dudes living with you, buy a house and house hack. Um, you know. Yeah. That's definitely a good strategy. Yeah. It's a good starter strategy. You learn everything and your your risk is much lower. Yeah. Oh yeah. Buy, what about buy a Mustang? 
You know what? <laughs> Only it's funny if you can get over 20% interest. <laughs> if you're going to Uber, maybe. I don't know. That was uh, before this podcast. I read the Flow Show uh, or Show Flow, whatever that doc is that you, for this. Yeah. And I was like, man, I wonder if I should say the car because they all do that. They all go buy a car. Yeah. Well, I did. Buy a, I did. Yeah. Buy a car and get married. Yeah. yeah, I made all those mistakes. Maybe not a Mustang, but you know, a Harley, whatever. So, yeah, um, that I totaled. You know, great. Oh, nice. So, uh, all right. So, uh, what's a good uh, resource, book, website, course, whatever that you would recommend to anyone looking to gain that education? Chris, you want to take on? Yeah, definitely bigger pockets. There's so much content on there. So much free content. So many people trying to help. Um, and it, it really like, if you spend enough time with podcasts and you spend enough time, uh, just browsing the forums and, you know, reaching out for help, you're going to be become this almost expert even before you put your foot through the door. Um, I think that's great. But, you know, some of those books, the one thing is awesome. I, I, we really like that book. Um, you know, and, and I, we got tons of books to recommend, but definitely get out to bigger pockets, um, get out to some of these, these podcasts, just start browsing the podcast for real estate, turn your, your, you know, free time into education, you know, your, your commutes, your, your cleaning the dishes. Yeah. I mean, go mow the lawn and listen to a podcast. It really like, you know, whatever you got to do, if you're working out, I work out with podcasts. People say that's crazy. You know, like, probably not as motivating as Rob Zombie or some shit, but you know, it's definitely, uh, it's taking that time and maximizing and becoming an expert in the field. So. I like it. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I I think those are the one things an awesome book. I I like that. I like the podcast idea. Get educated. I think is the the key takeaway though. Well then uh, I'll roll into the final question, which is where can people get a hold of you guys? We got a website. Um, Valkyrie group, uh, what is it? Valkyrie group.com. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we're on Instagram and then of course, Facebook, you know, everybody's on those now. Um, but yeah, the handle is just at Valkyrie investment group. Yeah. Uh, that's V A L K E R E. There you go. Boom. That's perfect. Um, so yeah, both on Instagram, both on Facebook at Valkyrie investment group, and then the website, www.valkyriegroup.com. Um, yeah, we're, we're active on Instagram. We're active on Facebook, even got Twitter, call us on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, we're all over the place, that's, that's our new, that's our new stuff. We're all about the content now. We're all about finding the right venues and getting our, our message and, you know, growing the network and building the brand. Yeah. I like it. Awesome. Well guys, this has been awesome. Thank you for coming out. And uh, I'm proud of you for surviving the first show with Alex. Hey, Hey, thanks for having us. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.